Hi guys and welcome to Settled Minds' very first podcast. I am super excited today to have chatted to Graham Armstrong. Graham is a counsellor here in the northeast of England, 18 years experience and he's also a mindfulness tutor, facilitator, trainer and supervisor. He's also my supervisor and Graham is very, very passionate about the belief that although we all experience great pain and distress at times in our lives, we also have the ability to heal and grow through the pain and find more enriching, creative, satisfying ways to live. And Graham states it's been his honour to have helped people through his counselling and mindfulness journey to date. So enough of me chatting. Hope you enjoy. Any questions? Emma at SettleMinds.com So hi, Graham. Thank you for agreeing to do this interview with me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And it's a beautiful sunny day here. Yeah, sunny Whitley Bay. It is, it's gorgeous. <laughs> how lucky are we? So I just wanted to first ask the simple question, how did you first get into mindfulness? Oh, it's really interesting because uh, I've been meditating now for, well, let's see, 2018, I've been meditating now for about uh, 20 years. And I first of all just started uh, just getting up about half six in the morning and kind of sitting there looking out the uh, French windows in the back garden uh, every morning. And this went on for a few years and wasn't really sure what I was doing. I just kind of sat there and uh, breathed and looked and breathed and looked and breathed and looked, spring, summer, and so on and so on. And it was around about 2000 when um, I was told, well, there's a place called Sammy Ling and in Estale Muir in Scotland and they did courses in meditation. So I skipped across there two hours from uh, home to Samuling and went on a Clive Holmes uh, Buddhist meditation two-day workshop. And this was great. It was fantastic. I loved Samuling as well and kept returning uh, backwards and forwards to Samuling for the next about four years. Did his course again, did other courses, and it kind of just kind of buoyed my meditation practice along and then there was nothing until about 2011 and I did a mindfulness-based stress reduction course in Newcastle with uh, Gwenny Fraser and Susanna Crump and at the end of that I thought yeah this is this is this, I, I'm, 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 I'm going in the right direction here whatever that means and uh, I'd like to do do more and they said well you can do more you can do a, a proper uh, academic course if you want to in uh, Wales, in Bangor, and I thought, oh, I don't know how I can do that. I can't, I, I couldn't really commit to going down to, to Bangor. Well, that's okay, you can do um, a course through Aberdeen University. I thought, well, that's just the same. But the Aberdeen University course was being uh, held at Sammy Ling in Estilmuir. I thought, that I can do. I can finish work early on a Friday, and then I can get back Sunday afternoon. Bob's your uncle. So I was back at Sammy Ling. And that's when I started to do the um, the uh, masters in studies and mindfulness through Aberdeen University. So yeah, brilliant. Bailed out after uh, two thirds of the way in. Bailed out. I, I have a habit of collecting postgraduate diplomas, and not getting any further. But <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that, that's me. So after that, um, started to um, teach and deliver courses. Okay, here in the northeast and Newcastle. Uh, here in the northeast, but. Um, also, the Mindfulness Association gave me some uh, work to do in Estelle Muir, uh, Scarborough, 
London, York, uh, Brussels. So, yeah, I've done a fair bit over the last wow, few years. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, having gone from just practicing it yourself for a few years and then, you know, getting official teachings, if you like, <laughs> how did that change? How did that start to weave into your life differently? Yeah, I don't... It's not so much a weave into my life differently, but weave into my life, I guess, more deeply. Okay. And maybe that's the difference, actually. Because I think that at the beginning I had quite a kind of... Um, an okay but kind of superficial take on uh, meditation. Meditation was going to help me uh, be calm. Meditation was going to bring me peace. Meditation was going to uh, lower my anxiety because... Um, over the years I've been often quite prone to agitation and anxiety and sure it did all those sorts of things mm. but the kind of the the more formal kind of mindfulness seemed to lead me in a, a deeper direction a sense of kind of waking up from uh, getting caught up or fixated on uh, my thoughts or on my particular uh, personal story with it with all its ups and downs mm. it feels like a kind of a, a freeing up into a kind of bigger uh, awareness okay of of yourself of yeah. everything yeah we're, we're getting into quite a pretentious yeah. area <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to say these things yeah. without feeling as if oh my god i'm beginning to sound like <laughs> I struggle you know, with that when people say, yeah, yeah. how does it affect your life? And oh, well, but it does hugely. Yeah, yeah, it does. Putting it, does, it into it words. And the thing is, I think in the Western world, we don't really have words for all of this sort of stuff with any kind of particular nuance in the, mm. in the way that if you if you look into kind of, um, for example, Buddhist language and Tibetan, and, and, and Tibetan language, it's very nuanced with... Uh, in respect of all of this sort of stuff, whereas ours isn't. Ours either sounds a bit like it made me feel more relaxed or uh, I want to be enlightened, which is, you know, just... Oh, it's it's great to be relaxed, it's great to want to be enlightened, but I don't really think it's going to happen in this lifetime for me. <laughs> but there is something there in the sense of a, a wider sense of awareness, a greater sense of grounding, earthing, there's also a more, a greater felt sense of embodiment as well. I think that's, that's been incredibly important over the mm. years. Because when people ask me, I try and very simply say, it is about becoming self-aware, isn't it? Yeah. Aware of your yeah, thoughts yeah. and yeah, your yeah, body yeah, and yeah. how you move around in your daily life. Yeah. And the interesting thing I picked up on as well, for me is similar, is, is the terminology. Yeah. Um, and even saying embodied, I can say that word, and some people might look at me. What does that actually mean? So um, let, let's talk about that because I, I think that um, for me, one of the ways, um, one of the greatest short sentences to kind of sum up the plight of us in the Western world is James Joyce's uh, phrase from Dubliners, where he says, "Mr. Duffy lived a few feet away from his body," and that's us to a certain extent. Mm. We can, we are kind of disembodied we're in our heads so much now i think that's incredibly important you probably couldn't climb up the stairs without being in your head to a certain extent and letting your ego do the job but maybe we've gone a bit too far and we've been a bit too much in our heads we've been a bit mm. a bit too kind of cognitive and maybe it would really benefit us to actually also experience that other part of us that 
um, well, there's that old expression, uh, we sometimes feel as if we're losing our minds, but we don't really lose our minds, but years ago, decades ago, hundreds of years ago, we kind of lost our bodies. Mm. This kind of embodied part of us, this real, this visceral, physical side of us, um, to kind of get into tune with that seems to me to be the kind of the, the, the way of getting more uh, grounded and earthed. I feel more in touch with the elements, all the sort of stuff that our ancestors knew and felt mm. and experienced. And on a daily basis, yeah, yeah. how would you be embodied using your mindfulness or your meditation? Like, What would you, to tell our listeners, how, how, what, do, what is that like? How yeah, would you do it? Yeah, say? because that sounds really, really very, very complicated. How am I going to do this? That sounds, whoa, that's, that, 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 that's, surely that's, that's just too difficult, too, too impossible. I've got to go throughout my day. No, it isn't, actually. It's very, very simple. Um, and basically unless somebody's listening to this and you know driving a car or operating machinery or about to cross the road it, so you need to be very careful mm-hmm. but simply what is it like now to feel you see it on the floor mm-hmm. what is it like now to feel your thighs on the seat your bottom on the seat or where your hands are where your arms are what is it like now to feel your stomach breathing, your chest rising and falling, and the breath breathing in and breathing out? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Do you get a sense of what you can smell or taste? or touch maybe just bring the flat of your hand down and just just let it relax onto what it's relaxing onto what is that what are the textures there that tactile quality and that's this basic embodiment and that's it and so that's being mindful and embodied right there it's mindfulness of embodiment Uh, yeah yeah yeah. or body mindfulness if you like it's kind of it's, it's it's interchangeable, and certain practitioners, like in the, the in in America, we've got the um, the American Buddhist practitioner uh, Reginald Ray, who talks about somatic descent or somatic inquiry, really kind of inquiring into the soma, the body, from the inside out, because we have a a bodily lived life in the inside, cells and muscles and sinews and all sorts of things working furiously all the time and we tend to my experience as well just we tend to notice more the negatives don't we about this body of ours rather than sure we've got a uh, what some people call a negativity bias which mm. means that the bad is stronger than good and it means that we kind of and th- there are evolutionary reasons for that you know we had to kind of um pretty much make sure that at the opening of the cave that we weren't going to get mauled by saber-toothed tigers millions of years ago but the, the, the tigers that we get mauled by now tend to be the paper tigers of emails and uh, social media posts and all sorts of things like that. But and So we can actually be more agitated than we were millions of years ago and feel more negative because there are probably more reasons out there to be negative. So trying to kind of reverse this and trying to unvelcro from this negativity bias 
mm, takes a little bit of practice. Mm. And for those people that say, oh, I've tried to sit and I've tried to, to get into my body and do all that and I can't, what, what advice would you give them? I'd say uh, you can't sit, you can't get into your body because actually you are in your body already. So <laughs> if you aren't in your body, where are you? Yeah. So um, very, very simply, just um, bring your hands together, rub your hands together, rub them more furiously like this. What's that feel like? Yeah. What's that feel like? It feels yeah. like heat. It's heat. Yeah. yeah, keep doing that, keep doing that. And then open your hands out. Bring your hands to your face and feel the heat. And now you're getting that felt sense mm. of your own body, your own embodiment. And it's that simple. Mm. So to start off with, we don't have to necessarily be sat still, no. eyes closed yeah. or open. You know, no. we just need to move and sense into that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's wonderful. And what advice would you give to somebody, Graham, who, who wants to start mindfulness and learning meditation? Would you recommend doing how you did it? Just start at home, find something comfortable window? Yeah, or? I think, I th I think that, that's absolutely fine. If the, the, So there's two kind of takes on this. If you want to do it reasonably informally, you know, I just want to kind of sit and meditate. Um, yeah, do it like that and just kind of sit and follow your breath. Mm. Follow your breath, follow the sounds around you, follow the sounds around you, uh, sit cross-legged on a cushion or a comfortable chair if you want to, silent places or as silent as you, you, you can get it, and you know, try it, you know, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, see if you can kind of expand it over the weeks a little bit at a time, but then if you want to kind of learn it more formally, uh, what you really probably need to do is you need to check out where the teacher is concerned. Check out to make sure that you've got a teacher that you feel as if you can kind of resonate with. That's, you know, it's a little bit difficult if you haven't met them yet. But also check out to make sure that they kind of come from a kind of bona fide uh, lineage or background. And that, that's actually easier than uh, it ever has been. Because of course with uh, Google, you can just Google the name of the teacher. Uh, you can Google Graham Armstrong Mindfulness and you know see what um, terrible things come up associated mm -hmm. with Grey Armstrong Mindfulness but also you can actually go onto the uh, Mindfulness Network the UK Mindfulness Network, their website uh, good teachers will be on their website and they come with a kind of uh, a sense of practice, they've delivered um, training over, over a number of years and they also adhere to the good practice guidelines so there's a kind of ethical remit mm. there as well I think that's really really important get a good teacher mm. yeah yeah and sometimes you may need to, to look around or sometimes just you may need to, time. sometimes you may need to look around and I think you know if, if there's a course for example and you think oh it look, you know, looks pretty good it's an eight week course and it's a mindfulness based living course that sounds that sounds great or a mindfulness based stress reduction course or whatever it is um, check the teacher out google them, even ring them up have a conversation with mm. them, a good teacher should be kind of available for that yeah. really be present for that and really kind of uh, encourage that mm. you don't have to then believe everything that the teacher says, in fact it's quite a good idea to kind of hold some of that in a kind of um, positive doubt but you know, you can kind of experience what they're, they're delivering. Yeah, yeah. So, Graham, you've been practicing for years, very educated, a lot of experience there. How do you 
maintain kind of the sitting meditation part of practicing being being embodied on a daily basis what what do you do so yeah so i've got three different kind of practices that i follow uh, there is the sitting practice and um because the rest of my life is kind of split up into uh counseling sessions the rest mm. of my life i'm i'm, I'm a counselor uh, sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to do the practices same time every day. Mm. So I, I kind of let go of that uh, about 18 months to two years ago. So I kind of look at my daily schedule and I think, okay, well, there I can put a practice in. There I can put a practice in. Okay. And some of my practices are sitting practices. Some of them are walking practices. I'm pretty lucky to live not far away from the beach. So I have a, a beach walking practice. Uh, that's really, really useful. And some of them are lying down practices as well. So just lie down and do a, a version of what we call a body scan. And that feels like a very, very enriched uh, body-based practice. Mm, yeah. And, you know, some of these might be um, a 20-minute practice. Some of them might be a 40-minute practice. Um, that's absolutely fine. Informal practices are just sometimes about pausing, stopping, where am I? What's happening right now? What's going on inside me? Mm. Just breathe. Mm. And these are what I call uh, pause for presence practices, which um, uh, Tara Brack talks about quite a lot. Pause for presence is just pausing to be more present, but also bring more of a sense of presence into yourself. What's happening right now? How am I breathing? What am I feeling? And then move on. Really noticing what is yeah, actually yeah, yeah, going yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, just noticing. Uh, but, you know, that's like 30 seconds. Yeah. We've all got 30 seconds. Well, you, you, can, <laughs> you can do it. You can kind of do it. But even while you're walking from yeah. uh, one room to the other or uh, to the car or just, you know, park up uh, in the car and say, where am I? Sometimes mm. these are called uh, traffic lights meditations mm. where you, you you're stuck in a traffic light and you go okay okay i'm breathing mm. yeah and then the, the lights change and then you're pulling away again it's how we kind of stitch i guess all these uh, small but quite significant practices into our daily life mm. and can i ask if if you don't manage to get them in, do you notice it? Can you tell when you've not been practicing? Yeah, I think my wife can tell more than anything <laughs> <laughs> else. I'll you need to do your here. practice, yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. You just, um, I, you can sometimes feel yourself a little bit caught up more with the news, or caught up more with what's in the papers, mm. caught up more with your own kind of um, tendency, our own tendency to uh, to be thinking, 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 thinking all the time. Mm. Because yeah. I get very much caught up in that thinking, thinking. Yeah, thinking. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's yeah. Um, I think most people do to some degree. Don't absolutely, they? yeah, yeah. And going back, Graham, to your counselling work. Oh yeah. Um, has it helped? Do you do you weave that into? Because you've you're very qualified. Lots of different types of counselling background there. Does it help with? Do you weave it in? Do you use it? It's helped a tremendous lot in counselling. It's helped me not get so. It, it's helped me keep a focus on clients' stories mm -hmm. and issues, but not get so caught up in them. And that's incredibly valuable because it means that I can stand to one side 
of I can be quite empathetic with the clients, mm-hmm. I believe, and yet not get so caught up so I can offer that really that kind of non judgmental eye that often hears and sees uh, more clearly because it's not caught up in their yeah. stories and they mm-hmm. are caught up in their stories because we do get caught up in our stories. Yeah, definitely. So there's that and also it means that I'm not kind of holding on to my clients' issues uh, so much. So um, there's, there's less potential or probability of burnout there as mm-hmm. well. And making that link, we always say mindfulness, it's not therapy in itself. We're not, you know... No, but it can be therapeutic. But yeah, can you explain more about that? Sure. Um, when I first started to do mindfulness, it, it was very much to kind of get more kind of peace and calm and less agitation. Um, this isn't, I think, the intention, and it's certainly not my motivation behind mindfulness now. But I think that as a very, very potent and very, very powerful byproducts, if you like, of mindfulness, I think they're there. So mm. they are potentially very, very therapeutic. And also for anybody who's very, very kind of bound up in their own story, their own issues, mm. their own problems, being able to um, diffuse from that, because we do become quite fused to our, our stories and are often quite disabling narratives being able to kind of diffuse from that and just stand to one side of that I think is incredibly powerful yeah and that's I think how it works quite a lot with if you like a kind of a mindfulness based therapeutic kind of approach Mm -hmm. so in that sense it's therapeutic without being therapy yeah for me though mindfulness as I said before is is about uh coming back to the body coming back to a kind of a, a bigger sense of connection and kind of waking up mm. yeah because we're often aren't we in terms of our thoughts we're often in the past worrying about things yeah. going over painful memories yeah, yeah. or yeah. anxious about the future yeah so this being present means literally focusing and noticing what is actually happening in this moment now yeah rather than the kind of the the beliefs the narratives the stories yeah. that are often foisted upon you that can be so strong and we can yeah, really yeah. Mm. really mm feel powered by them and so can you um overall this is probably a really difficult question say that mindfulness has benefited you in one way in particular which is the you know the pinnacle of it or is it just yeah if i was to kind of summarize it i guess mindfulness has benefited me in in a nutshell Mm -hmm. uh it allows me to let go right okay it allows me to let go of uh, any kind of thoughts or feelings or um, any kind of uh, sense of getting uh, caught up or conditioned or just that the kind of tightness that we sometimes get. Mm. It allows me to let go of that and kind of drop into a more expansive uh, frame of mind. Mm. And do you think mindfulness is for everybody? I think potentially, yes, it it can be for everybody. I think that some of us, um, if we're very, very agitated, if we're very, very panicky, if we're feeling in the middle of a a trauma, uh, it can be difficult to apply mindfulness Mm. to that. We've got to maybe kind of let the the, the mind, the body, the emotions settle a little bit Mm. beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, yeah, I think it can be really, really applicable to 
everybody everybody yeah and um with yourself we talk about or with anybody mindfulness there's a lot of kindness in there isn't yeah, there yeah, self-compassion which um mindfulness gets a bad rep of being a bit fluffy doesn't it with these words but for me they've been hugely well beneficial compassion is uh really right the very to me right the very center of mindfulness and it's where the kind of the action really occurs as well mm. so having a, a sense of greater self-compassion with other compassion as well and um you're right I think in, in the sense that just be kind or just accept can sound like really quite a kind of a, a fluffy uh, kind of approach um, compassion I think has grit mm. compassion has an enormous amount of grit um, and growing your compassion can be one of the most challenging things of all because what it does is it encourages us to meet the world Mm -hmm. in just that way in a more compassionate way and let down our defences and in that we can expose our own vulnerability too which Mm. is and can be very very challenging yeah and I think a a lot of people can maybe be put off by things like this but we always say don't we you start where you are we don't delve in with all this start where you are and uh, the best teachers will take you through it in a very very uh, staged and paced step by step kind of way Mm. don't plunge yourself into the into into the deep end yeah Yeah. put your toe in the water yeah (laughs) test it put your big toe in yeah lovely and is there anything you would like to to share just now with us Graham I feel like I we just could think talk that, all day. Yeah, I think we could. Um, I would encourage anybody to um, try a bit of mindfulness, mm-hmm. and uh, don't you know? Don't have to go into it kind of hammer and tong, or as I say in the deep end. Just try a little bit, try a little bit, try a little bit, and um, yeah, don't forget to breathe. Yeah, brilliant. And well, I will. Uh, do you want to tell the tell the listeners? Where they can contact you, Graham? Uh, you can find me at um, um, well, if you just Google Graham Armstrong Counselor or Graham Armstrong Mindfulness, I'll come up. But uh, I have a website, mindfulcounseling.com. You can find me there. Lovely. Thank you so much for okay, this. Thank you. It's been wonderful. I literally could sit here all afternoon <laughs> and talk. <laughs>